Fantastic. How many of you are excited to be in church tonight? Oh, come on. Let's, how many of you are excited to be in church tonight? Let's give Him praise then. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes. We serve a mighty God, don't we? How good is our God? All right. Are you ready for the Word of God tonight? Ah, yeah. Come on. Have you got your Bibles with you? All right. Very good. All right, let me ask you a question tonight. Have you ever made a decision that you've really regretted? Have you ever made a decision that you've really, really regretted and a little and thought later, what on earth was I thinking? You made a decision where you thought, oh, I wish I could turn back time and try again. You know, I've made plenty of decisions like that, and uh, uh, it's a funny thing that um, my oldest daughter is very curious about my childhood at the moment, and so uh, every night the routine is, is that she wants to hear a story of things that I've done in the past, and I tell you, it's bringing up some traumatic memories. How many of you have uh, done some things as kids and, and thought, oh, my word. <laughs> you say, let, let me tell you about one of them. Okay, true story. You ready for this? Okay, this, is, uh, this is one of my, uh, my decisions that I regret. As, as a six-year-old, um, six, okay, six, six. This was a long time ago. As a six-year-old, I loved Donald Duck and Huey, Dewey, and Louie particularly, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie, they had little things called shangais or uh, catapults. How many of you guys know what, what those things are, okay? It's a, it's a forked, st- a forked stick, <laughs> okay? And uh, you have some, some uh, elastic or some rubber and, uh, that runs between the, the stick, and you put a stone in it and uh, pull it back, and off it goes. So my first attempt, I saw one of these things, in a, in a uh, Donald Duck comic, and I thought, I'm going to make one of those. How about that? So uh, I found the perfect fork stick for this, hacked it off one of the shrubs at home with one of Dad's saws, and, uh, and then I thought, what we need now is some elastic. And after thoroughly researching the whole deal of what was the most elastic thing, I discovered that there was no elastic in the house, but that... The elastic in my mother's underpants would do more than the job. All right. So, uh, so I cut the elastic out of my mother's underpants and, uh, and made my catapult. See, it was a good decision because she was a large woman. And uh, if I'd used my own elastic on my own underpants, I would have needed two sets. But uh, because... Uh, she was larger, I only needed one set of hers, and uh, so I made my catapult, and it was a great catapult too, and uh, for a first attempt at making a catapult or a Shanghai, but guess what? My mother, she was not happy, okay? She was not happy. When she found that out, I tell you, she chased me with the wooden spoon, and I had to run, and uh, unfortunately, I had to come back for dinner, and... Uh, That was a decision that I learned to regret, okay? So decisions are really important, and sometimes they have short-term effects, 
Like I paid for that decision in, in a day, okay, when she did catch me. But sometimes our decisions, the impacts of them last for a lot longer. And now we're coming up into Christmas and New Year, and I find that people are making lots of decisions, making lots of choices about what they're doing with their lives. Now, some of those are relatively minor. The choice to overeat over the Christmas period will mean that next uh, January, it'll be more difficult to fit in your summer clothes. That's a relatively minor, minor problem. The, uh, the choice to overspend at Christmas means that you'll be paying things off in the next January and February and maybe even beyond that. That's uh, even more uh, important. But, uh, you know, there's other decisions that we make, bigger decisions. You know, the decision to drink too much, okay? Uh, that's a decision that you can pay for for a long time. A decision to uh, climb into bed with someone who's not committed to you for the rest of your life. You can pay for that decision for the rest of your life. Just ask about our preschool bunnies. Okay, do you know the story of our preschool bunnies? Uh, who's, heard, who's heard the story of our preschool bunnies? Okay, we have two preschool bunnies. They escaped one night for a wild night out. Uh, one month later, we have lots of bunnies. We have a whole yard full of bunnies out there. Lots of baby bunnies. One night, one night out, and the effects and shapes their lives for the rest of forever, for bunny terms. <laughs> you know, so Christmas and New Year is a time to think about the decisions that you're making. Lots of people are making big decisions about school. There's big stuff, big stuff about school, about whether you go to university or not, whether you... Uh, uh, what you do with your work, what you do with your business, what you do with ministry, what you do with relationships. And then there's some, um, some smaller stuff. Who you hang out with at New Year? Who you hang out with at Christmas? What will you do with your holidays? What will you do with your giving? Bigger stuff and smaller stuff. We've all got to figure out. You know, I, I uh, was struck by uh, the video of the guy, uh, the police interview with the guy who stabbed the, uh, the tagger. And uh, it was a simple decision that night. How many of you saw that interview on, on TV, okay? And uh, a simple decision. And the regret in his voice, he said, why, if only I'd taken my cell phone instead of a knife. Simple decision. Knife, cell phone, took the knife, one tagger dead. You know, I wonder about the tagger, if you could talk to him. I wonder what he would say. Uh, if only, if only I didn't go out tagging that night. If only I didn't. You see, tonight I'm going to show you a decision. A decision that went really wrong. A decision that went really bad. We're going to learn from it because it's important that we know how to make good decisions. What it is, what, what a good decision is made up of. How they happen. And how not to make a bad decision. So we're going to use uh, Acts chapter 27. So turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 27 tonight. All right, you with me tonight? Yeah? All right. <laughs> ah, here we go. So in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 27, there's a, there's a lot in here. The story 
is a story of Paul being taken to Rome as a prisoner. He's a prisoner on board a sailing ship. And because it's late in the year, they struggle with the winds for a long time until they finally make it to a little port on the island of Crete. It's called Fair Havens. By now, it's late in the year, and it's getting into the hurricane season. And Paul warns the centurion, and he says, it's getting late, don't go on because there's going to be a disaster. I feel like there's going to be a disaster. But because the port that they're in wasn't a great place to stay, they decide to go up the coast just a little way, just a little way, a little distance to another place called Phoenix, where there's a better place for them to stay for the winter. And uh, after talking with the others, the majority of of them say, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's just go up a little bit further. And so there's a gentle breeze going in the right direction, and they figure everything is sweet. So they set off, they sail off, and they go. But they hardly leave the harbor, and there's a massive storm comes down on them. Massive storm. How many of you get seasick? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't think they had sea legs back then. Massive storm. And they're just blowing helplessly along in front of it. Okay, there's nothing they can do. But the next day, they have to throw off all the cargo off the ship. The day after that, they've got to throw off all the tackle off the ship. They can't even see the sun or the stars. It's disastrous. Okay, it goes on for days like this. Until finally, until finally, they give up all hope. They've lost all hope that they're going to be rescued. It's all over for them. And then Paul stands up and says, guys, I told you so. <laughs> usually, usually saying I told you so is a bad policy, especially those of you who are married. Don't say I told you so to your husband or your wife or your dead meat. Just trust me on this. You're dead in the water, okay? Usually, I told you so is a bad strategy. But Paul stands up and he says, you guys, you should have listened to me in the first place. But God has told me that we're not going to die. We're going to live. Okay, now the whole story, I'm just summarizing it here because uh, it just makes it easier to to, uh, uh, to find your way through it. So he says, we're going to live. Okay, after 14 days, 14 days, 14 nights at sea, being tossed around all over the place, thinking they're going to die, Finally, they wash up onto this island. They're smashed to bits, smashed to bits on a reef. And they all float their way into shore, broken, beaten up, okay, losing everything, washed up, washed out, a long way from where they want to be. Now, the moral of the story is you make a bad decision and it can leave you beaten up, washed out, washed up, losing everything, and a long way from where you ever intended to be in life. You don't want to make a bad decision. So how did they end up in a place like this? How did they end up messing up so badly? What was it? Because we can learn from that. Because I myself, I don't want to end up beaten up through a decision that I could have made differently. I don't want to end up at the end of my life washed up, washed out, and uh, losing everything. And let me tell you, it happens. It happens. People do that with their lives. And uh, so we want to learn what are the things they did and how, what can we learn from that. And I want you to turn in Acts chapter 27. It's a great story to read, so uh, you might want to read it before you go to bed tonight. But I want you to look particularly at verses 9, and we're going to read right through to 11. And so since 
Much time had passed. The voyage was now dangerous. Everyone say dangerous. Dangerous. Because even the fast was already over. See, that means that they, uh, uh, towards the end of the year, they were moving into the hurricane season, and it was a big problem for them. It was getting dangerous. And Paul advised them. He says, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only to the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Everyone say, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, okay. So the first key to making good decisions is listen to the right people. Listen to the right people. In uh, Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 15, I love the Proverbs. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. The way of a fool is right in their own eyes. A fool doesn't care what anyone else has got to say. A fool doesn't mind. Or they just want to do their own thing. They've got their own thing in mind, and they're following through on that. But a wise man listens to advice. The interesting thing is here is, is that there was lots of advice going on. And in case you've missed it, everyone's got an opinion on what you should do with your life. Have you noticed that? Yeah, everyone's got an opinion on what you should do, of uh, what you should do for a work, what you should do for your career, who you should marry, who you, how you should raise your children. Everyone's got an opinion. So who do you listen to and what do you listen to? You know, there's one person that you always need to listen to, and that is God. Always listen to God. Always listen to what God is saying. Before you make any decision in life, figure out what's God got to say on this matter. What has He got to say? Read the Word. Find out. Find out from someone else. What does the Bible say about this? If you want any guidance in your life, look at the Word of God first. In Psalm 119, in verse 105, it says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is a lamp to our feet. That means that we can see short range. We can make decisions on the basis of God's word from what's right in front of us. God's word helps us on day-to-day matters, short range stuff. And then it says, he's a light to our path. He will give us help on the long range things, on what you do with your life in the long range. God will help you. God will help you both here and this week, today and tomorrow. He'll also help you set a course for the next year, next five years, next 10 years of your life, wherever. God will help you. It's important that you get God's word into your heart. Find out what he's got to say. Now, in this case, God's word wouldn't have told them not to go up to the next port. So what do they do? There's lots of decisions in our life where we don't have specific advice. But let me tell you straight off, if you find out what God's word has got to say, what the Bible has got to say to start with, you get used to hearing how God speaks. You get used to hearing what he's got to say. And when you learn to hear what his written word says, you get to learn to discern his spoken voice. God is speaking. He keeps on speaking. Just because the Bible is written in written form doesn't mean that God stopped speaking. God is speaking today if we will listen to him. And uh, I I love what uh, Jesus said 
in John chapter 10 and verse 27. It says, my sheep, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You see, that's a promise. If you are a sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you are one of his people, that is a promise that you can, pl- that you can claim that he will speak to you, and that you will hear his voice, and that he will give you guidance and direction to follow him. That's a promise that we can call on. Lots of people just wander blindly around life, never stopping to listen. What has God got to say? Jesus, what have you got to say on me on this? Lord, what will you help me? How will you help me through this? Give me guidance and direction. It's a time over this, uh, over this next uh, few months, or next month really, as we uh, go into the holiday season, that we actually take time to listen to what God's got to say. To spend time in His Word. To spend time in prayer and find out, God, speak to me. See, God will also speak to you through others. In this case, God spoke to the centurion through Paul. Now, who do you listen to? Because there's lots of people. You listen to the person who is connected to God. Not the fruit, nut, or flake whose life is a mess, but has got lots to say anyway. You don't listen to that. Listen to the person whose life is connected to God. Listen to the person whose life is showing the fruit of a walk with God, of commitment to God. Listen to your leaders. Listen to people who have, have, have got a seasoned in their walk with God. So learn to listen. Listen to the right people. Listen to God. Listen to the right people. How do you do this? Read books. You know, I'm, I'm a big reader. I read books, not just any books but books who are written by people who actually know their staff, people who, are, who, are, uh, who have got fruit in their ministry. I read. You listen to messages and take notes. When Pastor Mike's preaching, you take notes. When someone's preaching, take notes. The reason is, is because by the time you get out the door, you have forgotten everything that you haven't written down. Yeah? yeah. You take notes because it's important to you. Your life actually depends on it because the decisions you make, the decisions you make from what you hear and what you know about God will determine the course of your life. Listen to the messages and develop a daily habit, daily habit of reading from the Word of God. Develop a daily habit of it. Just spend time in God's Word Every day, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, every word that comes from the mouth of God. We need to learn to feed from it ourselves and uh, open your life up to people of godly character and commit yourselves to them. Open your life up so that they will speak to you. Make yourself transparent to them, that they will have, a, have, a, uh, have you as an open book, that they can speak into your life and provide uh, uh, guidance for you. So listen to the right people. Tell the person next to you, listen to the right people. <laughs> okay, the next, next key, next key to decisions without regret. Decisions without regret, okay, is to learn to wait how many of you here were here on, uh, this morning and heard Pastor Mike talk about waiting? Yeah? Waiting is important. Learn to wait. Learn to wait on God. You see, the world 
is in a hurry. And I've learned something really important that when I'm in a hurry, I make mistakes. I make big mistakes when I'm in a hurry. If you learn to wait and slow yourself down, you can save yourself from untold regret. Develop a habit of waiting. See, I learned this one really hard. I had uh, just out of, out of university, only been saved for a little while. And uh, I had a season driving tractors, a big, 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 big tractors. You know, the, the big fellas that you see going down the road, the, the wheels that are, uh, are way over your head, big fellas, okay, big machines. You need a ladder to climb up into them. And uh, I had a season uh, working for, uh, for a cropper, and uh, he had a whole fleet of those things, and I had to drive one for a, for a season, and I thought, whoo big toy, this is fun. Yeah, and uh, uh, no, you got rocks in your head, I tell you, it's fun for the first hour, okay? This guy was an exclusive brethren. No radio, no stereo. Hours, 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 hours. Start at uh, like seven o'clock in the morning, and you'd be working sometimes till, till midnight, I tell you, after my first hour, I was beginning to despair for my life, okay? It was terrible. And, uh, and I got to a point where I just wanted to get jobs done in a hurry. And I had a friend, another driver, and he said, Doug, don't be in a hurry. Because when you're in a hurry, you mess things up. And I said, yeah, 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 I don't want to know about that. So I was in a hurry, always in a hurry. As soon as I got on the tractor, I was in a hurry. First thing I did on one job. I, uh, I fueled up just in a big time hurry to get the job done. I uh, fueled up, got diesel everywhere. Okay, if you can know anything about these guys and their tractors, they love their tractors. Okay, they don't like diesel on paintwork. That's a problem. Next thing I did was because I was in such a hurry, I forgot to put the diesel cap on the fuel tank. I took off down the paddock and just flat out. And then I realized diesel everywhere. Where? is the cap for the fuel tank. Oh no, I go back, I can't find it. Do you know how much those, thing, those things cost? Genuine John Deere part. It cost me $50 for this thinking fuel cap. No, I had to work. Yeah, that's another five hours after tax on that stupid machine. I talked to my friend, I told him all about it. And I said, he said, you were in a hurry, weren't you? I said, yes, I was in a hurry. He said, Doug, don't hurry. You're going to make mistakes. Ah! And uh, back on the tractor. Okay. Short time later, short time later, I uh, tired, tired, tired. And uh, we're uh, late at night. It's dark. And my boss had told me, he said, I had a big planting machine on the back of this tractor. And uh, he said, you know, the gate's too narrow. You can't go through the gate. You've got to go out the main gate, back up the road, through another gate, and back Go for miles. And, um, and I wasn't listening to him because I just wanted the job done. So I finished one field, put the foot down, grabbed the, grabbed the machine up, and took off at high speed right through this gate that was too narrow. Oh, Jesus, help me. <laughs> the posts snapped off like matchsticks. Does anyone feel my pain? Okay. <laughs> Snapped off like matchsticks. Thankfully, the, the equipment was so heavy, it didn't damage the equipment at all. But I freaked out. And uh, behind me, there's this fence and posts and a mess everywhere. 
Ah, uh, oh, so you know what that cost me? That cost me another half day of digging out posts, straining up fences, and I didn't get paid for that at all. You know that, eh? I, there was no pay for that. And then it gets worse. It gets worse. <laughs> I still hadn't learned my lesson. I was in a hurry. I just wanted the whole thing to be over. And uh, this night, I worked till midnight. I was dog tired. The place was an hour away from my home. I get home. I put my head on my pillow, just about to go lights out. I thought, no, I've left the lids off the fertilizer containers, okay, on the back of the planter. Now, in the Waikato, there's a heavy dew, and the fertilizer, when the fertilizer gets wet, okay, it sets like concrete, you need a jackhammer to get the darn stuff off. It, you're in serious trouble. So I, I thought, God, I don't want to go back. An hour's drive. Uh, and in the end, I thought, no, seriously, I, my boss, if I haven't been fired yet, I so deserve to be fired. I haven't been fired yet. I drove all the way back another hour to, to put the lids back on the fertilizer hoppers, drive back home. It was like three o'clock in the morning by the time I got home. I was so stinking tired. I was crying. I said, God, I don't want to ever learn this lesson again ever in my whole entire life. Help me to slow down. I said, God, you've got to change this in me because this is going to kill me. Okay, But being in a hurry... I tell you, will lead you to all sorts of mistakes. It's a big lesson to learn. And I know that the whole world is in a hurry. And we need to learn to slow down. You see, people are in a hurry to do all sorts of things. They're in a hurry to leave home. They're in a hurry to get a new job. They're in a hurry to get married. And then they're in a hurry to get divorced. They're in a hurry to have children. They're in a hurry to get rich. People are in a hurry for all sorts of things. And they end up messing up their lives because they don't listen. They don't wait. They don't take the time to say, God, help me to slow down here and discern your voice. You see, the centurion and the Roman soldiers, they were in a hurry. They had lost time. If you read the story, they had lost a whole heap of time. They wanted to get to Rome. They certainly wanted to get out of that little port, and they wanted to move on. They wouldn't want to lose any more time. And because of that, they pushed on, even though common sense would say, don't do it. Don't do it. You see, in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2, it says, Desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. I if you want a blood nose from falling over the something in your path, just be in a hurry. Just be in a rush. If you want to lose your way, just be in a rush and don't take time to think about what God wants for you. Just move on. But I tell you, you need to learn to develop the discipline of waiting and taking time. That was a hard lesson for me. It's a lesson that whenever I've been in a hurry, I've made mistakes. And when, you, when, you, when you're in a hurry in life and you live your whole life like that, you can make some big screw-ups, I tell you. So in uh, Proverbs 21 and verse 5, it says, The plans of the diligent 
leads surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The plans of the diligent. You see, there's an order and a way in the character and the nature and the plan of God for your life. And as you learn to walk in that and not be in a hurry, He will make things work out for you. But if you take and grasp and take after and chase after the things that you want, I tell you, you're cruising for a bruising. You're really heading for a hiding. People who are in a hurry to get married, I think, guys, marriage is a good thing, but you don't want to be in a hurry for this. You make a bad choice here, you'll be paying for it for the rest of your life. You will be paying for it. Yeah. I won't ask you to put your hands up and, and say, you know what I mean. <laughs> if you're in a hurry to get rich, you're heading for a hiding. Don't hurry. Learn to rest in the season. Learn to, to, uh, uh, to, learn to wait in those, uh, those pauses, those praise pauses that Pastor Mike was talking about. They are so powerful. You see, in the, in the busiest day, if you will take a break and stop and say, God, I'm centering myself on you. I'm fixing my eyes on you. I'm shutting out the voices and the clamor of the world. I'm shutting it out. And I'm setting myself towards you. What's the next key? Next key to decisions that you won't regret. And if you look in chapter 12, it says that because the majority decided that it wasn't a good idea to stay on, because the majority decided it was a good idea to move on, they moved on. They moved out of that port and right into the storm. The next key to making a decision that you won't regret is don't, don't be led by the majority. You see, the majority can make some really bad decisions. The majority is what everyone else wants, what everyone else is doing. And what everyone else wants and what everyone else is doing is not necessarily the best thing for your life. In fact, it can end up in a whole lot of pain for you. See, the majority of Kiwis spend more than they earn. Now that doesn't make sense, does it? The majority of Kiwis Go into debt a little bit more each year. That's a dumb thing to do. But heaps of us do it. Heaps of us do it. Majority are disrespectful to their parents and talk back to their parents. Bad choice. See, because there's a principle, a supernatural principle that works with that. Honor your parents and everything will go well for you. So the majority of people dishonor their parents and speak badly of them. And they wonder why their lives are a mess. Don't get led by the majority. Don't let them swing, from, swing you around. You see, in the Old Testament, the majority of the Israelites, once they'd been rescued as slaves from Egypt, and they were taken out of Egypt, the majority of the Israelites, they wanted to go back to Egypt and be slaves. Majority bad choice. And then when they send out spies to choose out the promised land and look at it and see, the majority of the spies came back and said, we can't do it. We can't do it. Only two of them, the minority, only the two of them 
said that we can do it. This is good. This is great. Let's go up and do it. We can do it now. And because they were swayed by the majority, they died in the wilderness. A whole generation lost their lives. But the two, the minority, who said, we're not going to be led or influenced by what the rest of you guys make, the rest of your decisions you make. They inherited the promised land. They walked into it, Joshua and Caleb. But the rest of them all died in, the, in that wilderness. You see, you need to have made up beforehand your mind that says, my decisions are going to be based on knowing God. My decisions are going to be based on hearing the word of God. My decisions are going to be hearing the voice of God. My decisions are going to be developing the discipline of patience and waiting on God. My decisions are not going to be made by peer pressure. My decisions are not going to be made hasty or in, in under pressure. My decisions are not going to be made by popular opinion. I I'm going to make decisions without regret. Can I have the band, please? You see, over, the, over this holiday time is a great time. And it can be a great time that you build your life and refocus your life for the coming year and even the years beyond. Or it can be a time where you just waste it and uh, uh, overeat and overdrink and, and, uh, and do a whole lot of dumb stuff. And just waste the time. Or it can be a time where you set your heart towards God. See, decisions without regret. See, the most important decision that you will ever make is a decision to accept Jesus Christ. That's a decision that you will never regret if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you'll have all eternity to regret that. Okay, see, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ stepped into this world, into this world. God in human flesh, he lived a life of good, helping people, setting people free, healing the sick people, doing awesome things. And at the end of his life, he gave up his life on the cross for you and I to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. He spilled out his blood on the cross. He died. He was buried. But thank God, thank God it didn't end there because three days later, he rose again from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated the devil himself. And he lives now. He lives and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And one day, every one of us will stand before him. Every one of us will give an account for our lives.